Hurry into Old Navy one day only today. Get 50% off all outerwear. Plus, get cozy socks for just 2 bucks. Yep, 50% off all outerwear and $2 cozy socks. One day only today at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Ends tonight. Valid 217. Exclusions apply. Blog Talk Radio. You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. to have personal responsibility, political accountability, and corporate culpability. We must eliminate poverty. I don't care what color the person a child. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, as we are the return of intelligent radio and ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. I have a very special guest on for this morning's conversation with smart people, it's Letitia Springer, as I'm dealing with a little cold, so if y'all noticed that, so you know we'll try to get through it, but Letitia, thank you, Queen, for being on with us. This morning, I'm very Good morning. Excited. Good morning. Uh, yeah, yeah, very excited to speak with you. I was fortunate enough, you are came out to the Mental Dialogue Live experience here at Urban Grind here in Atlanta, and you basically, uh, you know, kind of taught our group how to travel and, and, and among other things. Uh, the thing I feel I love about you most is you literally are the definition of living your best life as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I've been fortunate oh, enough wow. to, I think, yeah, I think I know you a little over a year now, I think, maybe. Um, I mean, Yeah, about that. But either way, yeah, yeah, but either way, um, I, I, you know, I've told you in the past that I absolutely admire you and I um, want to, you know, kind of dig into your story. Again, conversation with smart people, you are definitely that. And I think people will be intrigued, uh, in a sense, how you choose to live. Again, I definitely think you live your best life. Um, but thank you last night for coming out to the live experience. Uh, how was that, you know, real quick, how was that experience for you and giving that information out? I think you told me, you know, you definitely enjoyed the energy that people gave gave to you last night. But, you know, if you could kind of speak to it real quick and then go, we'll go into a little bit of your background as well. Yeah, 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 of course. Um, so the live experience was all the way live last night. I had a great time. Uh, the energy in the room is always great. Like people come out with positivity and just willing and able 
to share and learn and, you know, build together. So it's always a great time going out. We had fun last night. Yeah. A little too much fun. I was telling Montoya earlier. <laughs> we had a great time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> nah, that's absolutely good. I wish I could have kept hanging out with you again. I'm trying to get over this cold. Um, but if you will, Queen, um, give people a little bit of your uh, your background. I, I know you are a con- uh, international career strategist, um, and I can't say I know exactly what that is. But the way I look at you, I wouldn't even be surprised if it's something you came up with because again, <laughs> you you live your life in a in a way that's different. Again, I think people will be intrigued and learn from you. Because, again, um, people have these ideas of living your best life. Uh, I think they're going to enjoy this hour and, and how you chose to go about that, being a world traveler, among other things. But if you will, Queen, go ahead and give a little bit of your background. Uh, thanks for that, Montoya. Great introduction. Um, I'm always floored when people uh, give such a flattering <laughs> introduction because I was telling some of the people last night, it's crazy because I really didn't have a plan going into it. So for someone to say expert or living your best life, you know, I was really kind of, and still am, making it up as I go. But um, I used to work in corporate America. I worked for 13 years in corporate. So I did, you know, a whole bunch of different positions, HR, industrial engineering, business development, kind of the gambit uh, in the corporate world. And then uh, I was working on my MBA at UGA, Go Dogs. And I just decided that after my MBA, I didn't want to continue the corporate grind thing. Um, And for a lot of people on the outside, it looked like I just woke up one day and decided I was going to quit my little, uh, you know, cushy corporate job. (laughs) But I had actually been working on it for three years, like crafting this plan, sitting in my cubicle every day, just staring at my world map. Uh, I literally had nothing in my cube, in my cubicle, uh, except my map of the world and my laptop I'd bring in and out with me. Like, I, I kept nothing there. For me, it was just the dream of traveling and living abroad and experiencing other cultures. So that was what I was seeking. And so I decided that when I finished my MBA, I was just going to leave all of it behind and go do what I wanted to do, which was live, you know, experience the world around me. I wanted to work in the world, not in a cubicle. So for me, the whole model has been just trying to live before I die. Um, It's kind of morbid, but for me, I'm motivated by the fact that I know that I'm not going to live forever, and tomorrow could be my last day, like, for real. I know a lot of people say that, but it's my goal to really live like it's my last. And so I just try to go where I feel led and um, do what I want to do, basically, is the goal. So uh, I relocated to Santiago, Chile with my daughter, who is now 17, about to be 18, Um, At the time, she was finishing her freshman year in high school, and um, we just, yeah, left everything here. I have a house here in Atlanta or in the northern suburbs of Atlanta, and um, I left my house. I quit my job. You know, I donated basically everything I had and packed up everything and two carry-ons for my daughter and I, and we've been living abroad for the last three and a half, four years. Uh, We've been to 70 cities approximately, I don't know, I stopped counting, 14 countries uh, over four continents. So we've, uh, yeah, we've been traveling a little bit. (laughs) For the last year, I've been living in North Africa, uh, based in Morocco, and I also went to Tunisia and Egypt as well. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to going back to Africa at the end of the year because I really miss it, and uh, also experiencing West Africa for the first time. Ah, That's an amazing story. 
And what makes it even more amazing is the fact that you, again, were on that career path. You actually got the NBA. That's not a, you know, those are not cheap. You know, you know what I mean? Right. Um, so, 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 but you know, you, uh, you know, being that go-getter and again, had, you know, from what I understood, done very well in corporate as far as, you know, just moving up over the years and, you know, just basically yeah. on that path, you know, a lot of people, you know, some people don't go that far to get that NBA or whatever. That's again, that's a career path. And so, um, and I'll even with you, you saying, like, okay, oh, yeah, go ahead. Please. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm just thinking that, no, 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 you know, in grad school, everyone thought I was crazy, you know, because for me, I was eating PB&J and, you know, working two jobs before I started my MBA to try to save up because my goal was to cash flow my MBA. I didn't want to take any debt because I knew that when I finished my MBA, I wanted to quit my corporate job. So I didn't want to have any debt, and I was debt-free. And I wanted to get my MBA, but I didn't want to acquire any debt. So for a lot of my – the people in my cohort – they thought I was nuts, you know, like, how can you, I ended up paying $51,000 for the NBA, but I cash flowed all of that because I didn't want any debt because I knew if I had debt when I finished, like I wasn't going to be able to execute my plan. And I feel differently about quitting my little corporate job. Um, And I say little, I know that's terrible, but it's not, it wasn't little. Like I turned down, you know, a few six figure job offers, because I was just at the place where it didn't matter. The money didn't matter. There wasn't enough money that they could offer me that was bigger than this idea of living that I had in my head. So it was there wasn't enough money in the world. Oh, man, this is, again, this is a beautiful story. We're going to go to our initial quick break. And when we come back, I want to, you know, let people know how you figured out how to even do this, like you said, and to a certain extent, it wasn't necessarily a plan to carry on bags. You grabbed your daughter and y'all figured it out. Been to all these countries or whatever, but from what I understand, um, you've become super uh, efficient with how to travel around the world in the, in, in the best manner. And again, that's some of the things that you share uh, with our group last night. And, you know, we'll go ahead and talk about, an upcoming trip that any of our, you know, some of your listeners, some of our listeners out here, they might could take advantage of a trip that you have because you try to help others live their best life as well. As much as you're going to do this to the, pretty much until, until you leave this earth, this is what you will be doing. Um, you actually get a lot of joy out of showing others how to do it as well. So we'll go to Absolutely. a quick break and get, yeah, get go to a quick break and we'll come back and get into how others can travel the world um, probably for a lot less than they ever imagined. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Are you ready to finally have a solution to your credit problems? Are you tired of high interest rates, loan denials, and high security deposit requirements? Whether you're looking to buy a home or car, or you're looking to improve your credit score for other reasons, we can help you permanently stop embarrassing credit card application denials, even if you've tried everything. We'd like to introduce you to Exodus Credit Repair. Exodus Credit Repair is a unique blend of financial services that help you address your spending, debt, financial knowledge, and most importantly, your credit score. For more information for Exodus Credit Repair, contact them at exoduslifechange.com or call them directly at 678-580-1756. 
Again, that number is 678-580-1756. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. This morning's conversation with smart people, first hour guests, travel expert as I say, you know, again, I know you say, you say you're always uh, messing with you when people say that, but you are definitely that. And uh, again, thank you for being with us this morning, Queen. And like you said, you left corporate America and started traveling the world and you've become very efficient at it. And you shared that with some of our members last night. And so for anybody out there listening that says, wow, what she just said sounds amazing. And there's plenty of people who have that pull in life and never mm-hmm. really ever take that step. And uh, But, again, a big part of the reason why you like to show others because quite often they find out the possibility is right there before them and they didn't realize it. So to a certain extent, what are, in general, what are people's, in a sense, myth with the idea of living out of a, 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 a bag for months on end and, and traveling the world. Like, what, what, are the, what are the biggest myths out there that people typically think or, you know, kind of put a, a block on their own mind for why they can't do it, and actually they're just completely wrong about that, if you will? Yeah, and there are actually a lot of myths. Um, that's one of the things that throws me off, too, because people always say, oh, I wish I could do that, or, man, and I'm like, I'm a single mom. Like, if I could do it, anybody can do it. I don't feel like I did anything really special. It's just a choice. You know, when you decide that you want to do something, you decide that you're done, you make a move and you do differently. Um, So for me, it's really just about making a decision and then executing on that. Um, And we were talking last night, actually, at the live event, that the biggest thing that I think that will um, let hold them back, first of all, is a lot of fear. And um, it's going to sound really hippie, but I am a ratchet hippie, so – Um, people don't trust the universe, you know. Um, The thing is, once you're going, you decide where you're going to go and you take one step in that direction, the universe has your back, you know what I'm saying, and things just kind of work out. I didn't set out to be living abroad for four years like that. I didn't really have a plan, period. Like, I didn't even have anywhere to live in Santiago, Chile, when I first decided that's where I was going. Um, So I can't say I had a fully developed plan, but the thing is to make a decision commit to that decision and then make a step in that direction. And then everything else just kind of works out. I think we don't believe in ourselves enough and we certainly don't believe in the universe enough. And so that's one of the things I try to, as an international career strategist, and yes, I did come up with that myself. Montoya. I don't know if anyone else else is doing this work, but for me, I'm super passionate about helping people design a life, you know, beyond borders and other perceived barriers. You know, I think people need to accept that a lot of that is in their head. Um, There are a lot of opportunities outside of the U.S. We have this idea that, you know, once we leave the U.S., everyone is, I don't know, living in poverty and, you know, no running water and everything outside of the U.S. is a third world country. And and that's just not true. You know, there is good living outside of the U.S. And um, I think people need to get over the fear the idea that everywhere else is a third world country. (laughs) And so they're going to have to downgrade their life if they leave the U S you know, that's just not true. Um, I had a great life (laughs) abroad and I miss it every day. I promise. Uh, We were, again, we were talking last night about the fact that outside of the U S in a lot of places, you know, your apartment comes without a maid or a housekeeper. Um, I had an apartment downtown. I actually lived in Ujda 
on the eastern coast of Morocco, bordering Algeria. Like I could see the Algerian mountains from my from my bedroom. Wow. I lived downtown. I wow. had a two bedroom, two bath. My rent was two hundred dollars USD a month. Um, internet was ten dollars a month. My cell phone was five dollars a month. Currency exchange is real, and we don't give that enough weight. You know, like there's there's a lot of job opportunities. There's a lot of opportunity for good living. Um, once people just get beyond the fear, and maybe even for some people, the price of a plane ticket, I think, deters a lot of people as well. But um, once you mm-hmm. get beyond that, uh, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of opportunity out there. Well, speaking of this, when you were saying in a sense that um, you kind of up without necessarily a plan, the universe takes care, cares of, take, will take care of you, you definitely had some situations when you were traveling internationally where the universe had to take care of you again kind of without a plan and I do agree that most people that no plan is enough to kind of stagnate them you know what I mean like they wouldn't take that chance or whatever but if you could share just a couple of situations where you know you didn't even necessarily have an answer but the universe took care of you while you were traveling international. And I know you've had, a, you know, a lot of those scenarios, but just to share, yeah. um, you know, in a sense how that's worked out and how other people look out for you, even though you're a quote unquote, an American, you know, we have a reputation around the world. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I drive my friends and family crazy because <laughs> I, I like to say I develop loose plans, you know, like that's my thing. I think I'm a planner, but I like to leave room for the universe to step in. So for me, when I'm planning a trip, like even now planning to go to West Africa at the end of the year, I know which eight countries I'm going to, and I'm going to decide on where I'm going to stay. But outside of that, and, you know, maybe a few tourist things I want to see while I'm there, but outside of that, like I don't have a real plan, a day-to-day what I'm going to do or who I'm going to meet, like all of that stuff kind of works itself out. And so um, while living abroad, I really feel like I could say the last (laughs) three and a half, four years has been just the universe because, like I said, I never had this plan. When I was leaving for Santiago, Chile, the first place that that we moved to, um, I hadn't found an apartment yet. And I was just waiting. I don't know what I was waiting for. (laughs) I was waiting for something that I wanted to come up, but I couldn't find anything for the time frame that I was going to be there. And so it wasn't until the day before we were leaving that I actually solidified and got an apartment. Like, I was looking everywhere, and I just couldn't find anything. And that's when I first started but, using Airbnb. But the trip Airbnb. was coming. But you were set to go. Trip paid for. You know, didn't even know where you were staying, but you knew you were going. Yeah, I had two one-way tickets for me and Zoe. My daughter. My daughter's name is Zoe. Um, Zoe and I, I had purchased two, two one-way plane tickets. That was all I had. And uh, I just knew I was – so for me, when I was in grad school, one of the things that they did was an international residency, which is one of the reasons that I chose UGA as a school. Of course, it's a great school, but also they offer an international residency for professional MBA students. So I was continuing to work and go to school at the same time. And I also got the opportunity to go to South America, to Argentina and Chile with UGA. So my first international experience was through my MBA program. And so I went down to South America with UGA. I had lined up to look at apartments in Argentina because that's, I just knew I was going to love Argentina, and that's where I was going to move when I quit my, my, uh, my job and finish my MBA. I knew I was going to Argentina. 
But then I got down there. I went to Argentina. I did not like it at all. <laughs> and I absolutely Oh, wow. I fell in love with Chile. So that's why it ended up, you know, I had a plan. The plan was to go to Argentina when I finished my MBA. But I just didn't like it. And so I just, I was down there and I told them, you know, I'm not going to see the apartments I have lined up because I don't want to live here. Um, and then I had to, you know, develop a new plan, which was to return to the U.S. And then I wanted to go to Chile. Like, there was no way I was going to Argentina, and I knew where I was supposed to be was Chile. And I just didn't know where or how or whatever, but I knew that's where I was going. So when I got back to the U.S., um, after the international residency was over, like I said, it was like two and a half weeks. Uh, that's when I resigned. I graduated like the following week from uh, UGA, and I had bought my my plane tickets for my daughter and I, and yeah, we we left. But I, I did discover Airbnb right before I left uh, for Chile. I don't even know how that happened, but you know, just in talking to people and meeting people and learning from others, I'm pretty sure that's how I was introduced to the idea of Airbnb. So for me, a lot of people um, were scared for me <laughs> because I didn't have a plan. I didn't know where I was going to live. Uh, yeah, I didn't like, know you at the time, but I would have been scared for you too, just so you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared thinking about it right now. Like, I'm like, yeah. like no, like there, a one-way ticket. There were a lot of, and yeah, there were a lot of Two days before I'm there, I don't have a place to stay. I would lose my mind. Yeah. Well, for me, like, I decided that, like, my daughter hates when I say it, but the two things I live by, what, can I curse on the radio? Can I curse on here? Absolutely. We, okay, we, we, cool, we, we are not politically correct on this show. <laughs> awesome. So the two things my daughter hates when I say it, because this is kind of what I live by and how I make decisions, uh, the first one is fuck it, you know, because fuck it. And the second one is what's the worst that can happen? So for me, I was thinking, like, what's the worst that can happen? Like, I have to stay in a hotel? I got, I I got, a, I got a list of 100 what? things I could tell you right now, Latisha. Nah, but those aren't terrible. Like, for me, there are all of those things. But I'm like, the worst that could happen is I, I arrive in Chile and I don't have a, an apartment, so I have to stay in a hotel. Like, that's worst case scenario for me. Like, I, I knew I had a little bit of money in savings. I, I met a couple of people while I was down there with uh, with UGA doing the international residency, so I knew worst case I could call them and be like, I, I can't help. <laughs> I help me. I, can't. I don't know what I'm, where I am or what I'm doing. Um, but worst case, I would end up in a hotel somewhere. So I wasn't worried about it. So you, since you put it like that, okay, it don't sound so bad. <laughs> yeah, that's what, um, well, that's uh, what I've, I've been teaching Zoe. Like, you – I mean, when you're, I think for a lot of people, when they're problem solving, they let the fact that there are problems be the reason why they don't go forward, you know, but there's a solution for all of these problems. So it's really not that big of a deal, you know, like whatever happens, it's not that big of a deal. You can figure it out. And one of the things that we learn from traveling and being abroad is like trusting in yourself and your ability. So for me, I know that there's nothing I can't do. I mean, I've been detained by an undercover cop, you know, <laughs> crossing a border. I've, I don't know, been pulled over for bomb, for bomb threats. I was in Turkey right after the bombing in the airport. Do you just like, scare anybody that was thinking about doing what you do? You just scare them. <laughs> They're not going to do it now. <laughs> well, they should just, I'm hoping that I just encourage them to trust themselves, like, and trust in the universe. Like, that shit works out. So how did you and survive the, thing, the, the, the border? Like, how did you even survive that? So, <laughs> survive it. Um, I laugh that shit off. 
Like, it's, again, it's just not that big of a deal. Uh, it was scary in the moment, mostly because I didn't know what I did. But come to find out, so in it was in Morocco. In Morocco, there are actually two colonies that are still Spanish colonies. So they're in Morocco, but they're Spanish territories. And while I was living there, I was living on a tourist visa. So that gave me 90 days to live in Morocco. And then I had to cross a border somewhere to extend my tourist visa to continue to live there. Uh, so one of the places I chose was Melilla, Spain, which, again, it's in Morocco, but it's Spain, it's Spain a part of Spain. Um, so you actually walk across that border. And so I'm thinking, like, this is a cool-ass experience. Like, who walks across a country border within a country? Like, I never even heard of this shit. So I'm like, damn, I got to get a video. Like, I got to put this on Instagram. So as, <laughs> as I'm doing my video, walking across the border, someone comes, you know, a guy is walking up towards me, motioning for me to come to him, you know, like, come here. And as a foreigner and in Morocco, you know, the dudes are, uh, I won't say aggressive, but they love a little chocolate and <laughs> they make sure you know it. And so I'm used to, I was just used to people calling me and telling me to come here and, oh, queen, and, you know, mother Africa, you know. Uh, so for me, I was like, no, nah, I'm not interested. No, thank you. Like, I'm shooing him away. Like, I'm not going to talk to you. And I just kept walking and shooting my video. And then he, like, came up and held my two arms, like, no, you don't understand, basically. But he didn't speak English. He only spoke a little bit of English. And I speak shwia, shwia, arbia, a little bit of Arabic. Um, so <laughs> for he was trying to tell me, and I speak a little French, but so he was telling me in French that he's a police officer, I need to stop. And then he, and I was like, no, no, no. And I told him to show me some ID. And then he showed me his badge. I was like, oh, okay, this is like legit right now. <laughs> I'm actually being detained. Um, and then he uh, told me to give him my phone. Was your daughter with you? He, yeah, she was, but that's a kind of a long story. <laughs> she was already. Okay, I'm sorry. You, you don't have to interject. And I, yeah, you don't have to interject that. No, no, no. I was just, yeah, yeah, I was just wondering if you were by yourself or with her. Yeah, I was just wondering. But yeah, but go, but yeah you me, go ahead and finish it. I'm sorry. It's because she had already been detained, crossing the border, coming, trying to get oh. into Spain. She was trying to get into Spain. We were actually traveling with two other expats, who one's from Seattle and one's from Chicago. Uh, we met them in Morocco. We were teaching at the same uh, English school. So I was actually doing a border crossing. We call it a border run, like a visa run. I was doing a visa run with two other expats that were living in Morocco with us as well. So those two people and Zoe – were already detained trying to get into Spain because they had some issues. One of the people had issues with their ID. So Zoe was with them on the Morocco side, and I was coming from Spain okay. because I speak Spanish. So I was trying to help them understand what was happening on the Spain or on the Morocco side in Spanish. Right. It's kind of a long story. But Zoe was with me. Anyway, the guy went through my cell phone, and he told me, like, I needed to delete the video going, crossing the border. So he wanted to see my phone, right. he looked at all my pictures, and made me delete um, delete the video that I that I made uh, crossing, walking across the border. They might have thought you were so an international politician. Exactly. I've been accused of a lot of things. So international spy was just a new one for me. And uh, he made me delete the video. But you know how it goes into your deleted folder, but it wasn't permanently deleted. So I was like, okay, I'll delete that. But it was still in my folder, and I just restored it after I was. <laughs> After I crossed over, and then I posted it on Instagram. So that video is on my Instagram uh, of me walking across 
<laughs> walking across the Spanish border in Morocco because I definitely had to document that because that was just cool as hell. I've I've never heard of a country within a country, um, so I I was looking forward to that. But see, but it worked right. out. <laughs> I, it, like, like, it, it's it's going to work out. Like you say, you don't even worry about it. Well, the cool thing about your actual Instagram page, you keep referring to it, um, I think you have the dopest IG name um, designed by L because literally the, as you pretty much design your life, so it's like so yeah. perfect that you use that handle. Thank you. Um, because you're, yeah, because yeah. you're constantly designing your life. And, you you know, you actually do design like you know i follow you and and like the, the, the things you're doing here recently where you're actually um going out and helping people i think it may be with habitat humanity i don't know yeah. if you're doing it with oh thank you yeah yeah i, did, no, I follow you I, I follow, I, again when i tell you i think you're wonderful like you literally do that for people and you know as i follow your story like not only are you enjoying again traveling for yourself and making your life or whatever, but you love giving back. And at least the way I understand it, we're going to go to a break, and you can kind of explain it to when we come out of break. But um, the way I understand it, you are literally volunteering a lot of your time to ensure these other people have homes and some of the stuff you do to bring in finances, from what I understand, is to ensure that you're able to give back to people. Like, that is such a unique approach to helping others. So I definitely want to um, you know, talk about that uh, when we come back from break. All right, that thank you. All right, absolutely. You're listening to the Miss Dialogue Talk Show. We'll be right back. Or all I ask is that you think. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. Special guest for this morning's conversation with smart people. First, I would guess Letitia Springer. If you're out there waiting for the top of the hour, Mickey Dalton will come on in the next hour. Queen, I thank you again for being with us as we're kind of peeling back your life abroad. Um, but again, you are here in the Atlanta area for now. As you say, you miss, um, you know, living abroad, which again, I know you will be doing it you know, pretty soon here you're setting yourself up to, to leave. And if I had to guess, you might not ever come back knowing you. But but in the meantime, um, you're doing a lot of giving back here in the Atlanta area. If you could just speak to that, again, I admire how you live. And, again, just that type of dedication to where you bring in 
you know, money so that you can help others. Like that is a a, a major a, a major look. And I just if you can just kind of speak to that because I, I I literally love what you do. Again, you take your skill sets and use it to help other people. Go ahead, Queen. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. So I am obsessed with lifestyle design. Um, as you mentioned, I also do interior design, and I'm obsessed with real estate. So when I'm in the U.S., I'm a realtor. Um, so I do work with Keller Williams. I'm a Keller Williams agent, and I work in real estate. And I also do interior design. Um, and I'm also an Airbnb host. So these things for me all are in the real estate realm, and they all stem from, again, my travels. Like It's all connected. Um, because one of the biggest things I learned about myself and about the world is the human aspect. Uh, I think we don't get that in the U- in the U.S. And we talked about this last night too with a couple of my groups at the live experience. But um, I think, especially as African Americans living in the U.S., we're not used to uh, being welcome and being accepted and belonging somewhere. Mm-hmm. But we belong in the world. Like when you're in another country, especially in Africa, they welcome you. They're excited to see you. They're glad to have you. Uh, and so for me, that was a new experience, um, just the, the human aspect of the world, how nice people are and how genuine they are, inviting you to their home and just wanting to make sure you're good. You know, like, are you okay? Do you love my country? You know, do you need anything? Can I help you? Uh, so for me, coming back to the U.S., which honestly I hate to do, but <laughs> my daughter's getting ready for college. And so, you know, I'm in focused mommy mode right now. So, you know, I'm here doing what I need to do. But um, I prefer to live abroad because there's much more of a community and um, just this, um, the connection that you have with people. And so when I, even though I am in the U.S. now, like I try to bring that with me. And so I want to do work that I'm passionate about and that I feel like I'm contributing to something that's bigger than me because I can make money, you know, like that's not a big deal. But for me, am I making an impact? Um, the money just doesn't really matter. Like you only need a certain amount of money and then the rest is just extra. And so the extra I'm not so much interested in. I mean, money is good, but um, it's not a necessity. I'm not driven by that. Um, For me, I'm driven by making an impact. And so I tell people I sell houses so that I can build homes. Um, I want to help people and aid them in having a home and experiencing this sense of, belonging and safety that I felt when I was traveling. And so every week I donate my time to Habitat for Humanity. Um, So I work in building a house uh, every week and working with the new homeowners to um, get themselves and their family a place to live is just, I mean, I don't know. For me, there's really nothing better than that because I love realist construction, interior design. I get to do all of that. And once we finish building the house, we actually just finished one in Gainesville, Um, But after we finish building the house, I then donate my time and my skills to the new homeowner and help for them to design their home because we basically give them an empty house, you know, like now they have a house Mm -hmm. for a lot of people. They don't have beds. They don't have a sofa. You know, now they have a house and that's an amazing thing. They have a roof over their head. But I mean, that's just a shell, right? I try to help them to make it a home, Um, painting walls and getting furniture. I work with another, a furniture ministry uh, where we take, used furniture from basically rich people (laughs) and give it to poor people who are in need um, of furniture items, beds and sofas, dining room tables. Like, I don't know about y'all, but growing up, like, we didn't have those things. Like, 
some place, sometimes we did, but there were a lot of times we didn't have a dining room table. Like, you know, you're eating on the floor or, you know, standing at the kitchen eating. And a lot of these families are still living like that. And we don't understand how big having a dining room table and just somewhere to sit down with your family and enjoy a meal, like how big that is, how life-changing that is for the kids, you know, as a, as a parent to be able to provide that for your child. Um, I want to help with that. You know, I, as a single mom, I've had a lot of struggles and I don't want other people to endure that. I'm at a place where I can help. And so I try to do that. And if, if anything, it's more selfish, <laughs> selfish than it is giving because it does something for me to be able to be here in the U S but feel like I'm still contributing to something. Like I need that in order to be okay with being here. Yeah, I respect that. And the thing is, if, if if somebody's listening to you right now and your world traveled and, and it sounds like you're doing all these amazing things and you just kind of mentioned it for a split second, um, your, your struggles as a single mother, um, to a certain extent, and we don't have to go too deep, but if somebody seeing your life now, they would have no idea, um, to the degree, um, of, yeah. of some of your struggles, you know, people would, you know, when, if they hear you talk about, you know, let's do it or you can do it, keep your possibilities open. They might assume because of how positive you are that you haven't had any of those real life struggles. If you don't, yeah. you don't mind, you know, again, just kind of getting into that because again, watching you now, people would have no clue. Um, you know, you, 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 you've seen the worst of it. Um, at least, at least from what I've come to know and learn about you. Um, you know, in the past year or so. But, you know, again, just kind of mention that because, again, you are a testimony, and, you know, sometimes it helps for people to know, hey, I was, you know, they, this, that you were, I was in the same position as you, or I've had this same experience and now yeah. I live this way. So if you could just share a little bit of that just to, to make it relatable to somebody who right now may be going through things, you know what I mean? Or, or they're like, yeah. like, what she's saying sounds good, but they can't imagine it for themselves right now. You could just kind of speak right. to that. Gladly, actually, because one of the things that uh, frustrates me the most is that people just assume that I have a sugar daddy. Like, that's how I'm able to travel. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you have any kind of booty and a little bit of looks about yourself, you can't be just independent. Like, someone has to be taking care of you and helping you do this, you know. Um, but I'm very much independent. And so um, I did not c- come from a good background uh, in my home. There was a lot of struggles, you know, uh, abuse, alcoholism, you know, I didn't have the best childhood. And so that was difficult. So just the foundation really wasn't there. Um, for I call my grandparents my parents sometimes because they did a lot of raising for me, but I've been on my own since I was 16. And so, you know, I made <laughs> a lot of the mistakes that, uh, I hope other people, including my daughter, do not make. Uh, I made a lot of those mistakes. You know, when you're young and just figuring it out on your own, you know, there's a lot of fuck-ups, a lot of trial by error. <laughs> um, right. And so I actually got pregnant when I was 20. I was in my second year of college, which I never planned to go to college. It was I graduated high school early, but I didn't know what I was going to do. I just really wanted to graduate so that I could get another job <laughs> so I could work and not – Uh, really be struggling because when I was uh, underage, you know, if you're still in high school, they don't let you work because legally you can't. But if you finished high school, then you could work. So my motivation for finishing high school was so that I could get another job um, so I didn't have to struggle. So I've been working two jobs since I was 17. But um, I graduated at 17. I took, I don't know, maybe a year off. Again, just people and intervention. I was talking to somebody, and they told me they were in college, some random person I met. And I'm like, oh, college. 
Never thought about that. Cool. Maybe I'll do that. Uh, So I started community college. I was actually in my second year. I mean, because I didn't have a plan. Again, when you don't have a foundation and, like, people to help guide you, you don't have this after you go to high school, then you go to college, then you get a job, then, you you know, I didn't have that. So I was just kind of, you know, figuring it out. But um, I was in my second year of college, and I got pregnant with my daughter. Again, not a plan. (laughs) I actually didn't want to have kids. (laughs) Um, I had some issues with ovarian cysts, and so I actually didn't even think I could get pregnant. So my daughter was a surprise, surprise. And um, I was actually three months pregnant when I found out that I was pregnant. Oh, 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 I'm pregnant, pregnant. (laughs) Yeah, it was an extra surprise. No, I wasn't showing nothing. Like, I had no idea I was pregnant. I didn't start showing until I was seven months. But uh, that's another story. (laughs) And I didn't know I was pregnant. I had taken three pregnancy tests, and I used condoms. But anyway, I I won't get on my soapbox. Ladies, protect yourselves. But um, (laughs) I got pregnant at 20, and I had my daughter five days before my 21st birthday. So our birthdays are five days apart. And um, I, I had this baby, you know, I'm like looking at this thing, like, what am I supposed to do with it now? Like, it's crying. I don't know. What does it want? Like, I had no idea how to be a mom, uh, what I was going to do. I mean, it was a mess, you know, and the relationship with the father was not good. Uh, we actually didn't really have one <laughs> at that point. So it was really just me. And uh, I had to figure out what I was going to do and, it was, I think for a lot of people, they thought my life was over. <laughs> you know, once you have a kid, especially back then, like, you're just done. Like, what do you, you can't do nothing. Like, what are you going to do now? You have to take care of the kids, so you just need to work. But I knew that I wasn't, you know, my daughter was a statistic in the sense that, you know, now she's from a single-parent home, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, she doesn't have to be a statistic all the way. So mm-hmm. I wanted to go back to college. I wanted to finish my degree. I didn't want to be working two jobs in retail to take care of her. Like, that wasn't the life I wanted to live. And so I went back to college right after I had her. I went back to work six weeks after I had her. And then um, I started uh, college. I moved to Jacksonville, Florida, because I had an aunt who I had never met. But I didn't have anywhere to live. I didn't have a car. I didn't have a house. And she said, you can come live with me, because my grandma told her that I was trying to go back to school and you know, I wanted to do something with my life. And so she said, so you she come live with me. That. Yeah. Nice. And so she let me live with her. I stayed there for like three months. Uh, I got a job at UPS unloading trucks at midnight. So I went to work at night. I would put my daughter to sleep around 9-ish p.m. And then I would go to work from like 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. And then I would go home, sleep for a little bit, uh, wake my daughter up, take her to daycare, and then go to school. And so I was living on, like, two hours of sleep, <laughs> like, legitimately. Wow. I remember taking naps in my car in between classes, like, just being exhausted. But I wanted to finish my degree because I wanted my daughter to have a different experience than what I had. And I wasn't going to accept that just because I had a kid, my life was over. And I tell moms this all the time, and I love meeting dope-ass moms that are actually still living, even though they're parents. Like, we use that as an excuse all the time for why we can't do stuff why we can't travel, why we can't, you know, the reason you can do it is because you have a kid. Like, that's the reason you should do it. You need to be better for right. your kids. Like, yes. I wanted my daughter Absolutely. to look and be like, she did it, damn, I don't have no excuses. And I tell people that all the time when they look at me and want to tell me, like, dang, I wish I could do what you're doing. I'm like, if, if I can do it, 
<laughs> you definitely can do it because I shouldn't have been able to do it. You know, like there's and, and and what you're talking about right now is very vital uh, from this standpoint is experiences for your children. So generally mm-hmm. speaking, when you think about um, you know maybe certain areas of our community where um, some of our children sometimes um, in our in the African American community in some areas sometimes they don't get a lot of exposure to different experiences. But I remember one time mm-hmm. putting up a, pay, a, a post on Facebook that you know traveling to go see the ocean is just gas. You, you, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so yeah. so what happens for those with with means typically the differences that they're able to provide their children with experiences. But if you think about it and go hard and, like you say, figure it out, you can provide experiences, and, and, and at the end of the day, you figure out that it doesn't take a lot of money to do even what you're doing. And so uh, we're going to go to a yeah. quick – yeah, so we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, I want to get into – um, not only, you know, in a sense, how you are able to be so efficient and also share about this upcoming Morocco girls trip to Morocco. So, again, yeah. for our listeners, they can follow you and might join y'all for y'all. I think you're trying to take 30 ladies with you or something to that effect out yeah, to Morocco uh, here in the fall. So, mm-hmm. uh, absolutely. So, let's go to another quick break. When we come back, we'll let people know how they can be a part of the um, girls trip coming up. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. But all I ask is that you think. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478 781 Four eight six zero. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's conversation with smart people, Letitia Springer, with us this morning, Queen. Thank you. I've been enjoying the conversation very much this morning. Good morning. But if someone's out there, if somebody's out there listening and saying, you know what, I do need to um, provide my child an international travel experience, and and they're like, but I just don't know how to do it, or they are they all might think in their head that they know they can't afford it, like they just assume that. And so, um, if that person comes up to you, um, how do you even approach showing them? that this is probably much more of a possibility than they could ever imagine. Uh, you know, how, how how do you, you know, give them that type of information and then, you know, move into this actual trip that you have that people can go with you. So go ahead, Queen. Yeah. Well, if I could start with um, something you said before the break that sparked a thought. Um, people use uh, money as an excuse. It is not the money. Is <laughs> what I try to tell people all the time. They're like, I can't afford to travel. You can afford to travel. You might, it's a choice. So maybe you can't go to Starbucks every morning or maybe you can't go shopping, but if you choose to travel, you can afford to travel. It's actually less expensive outside of the U.S. in most cases. 
than it is here. Of course, if you're trying to go to Paris or Amsterdam, like the most expensive places in the world, Australia, you can do that. But 90, I'm going to say 97% of the world is actually cheaper than being in the U.S. So if you can afford to live in America, you can afford to travel. And you have other opportunities, even if that means you have to get a side hustle and stack your money. But if you choose to travel, you can travel. Please don't use money as the excuse because that's not it. Look in your closet. Look around your house with all the shit you got, the extra cars in your driveway that you drive on. Like, you can afford to travel. It's a choice. But um, I think for people, whether they have a child or not, like, everyone needs to travel. Like, you need these experiences. You grow as a person. Um, you learn about yourself, you learn about the world, and, you know, your place in the world. And so a lot of people need to travel. A lot of people need to um, go to Africa specifically uh, because, like we talked about last night at the live event, that feeling of belonging and being uh, feeling like you know where you're supposed to be, like you're right where you're supposed mm-hmm. to be, that's a feeling that I have yet to be able to articulate. So, I don't know how to explain that feeling to someone, but you need to go feel it for yourself, you know? So um, one of the things I'm doing, you mentioned my girls' trip. Um, I'm planning, I'm going back to Morocco in August, and um, I got tired of people saying, like, I wish I could do that. Oh, man, I would too, and I don't know anybody. I don't want to travel by myself. You know, all the excuses we give. Um, so right. I'm, I'm saying fuck all those excuses. I'm going to be in Morocco. Meet me in Morocco. So for all the ladies who said they want to travel, they don't want to be there by themselves, they don't want to go alone, yada, 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 they can't. I'm going to be there, and I'm organizing everything. So I'm taking three trips of ten women because I want small groups. I want the women to connect with each other and to connect with the country and the continent. So I'm not doing any large groups. Uh, for me, it's not about the money. Um, it's about the experience. Like I, I come back to the U.S. every time, and I'm always complaining about how ignorant Americans are. Uh, we don't know geography for mm-hmm. shit. Every time I tell someone I've been in Morocco, right. where's that? Oh, is that in Europe? No, sweetie, it's not in Europe. Um, so I want people to be more educated. So this is my effort to actually do something about it instead of about it. talking shit mm-hmm. about it. <laughs> so um, I love I'm it. taking ten groups, uh, or excuse me, three groups of ten women. Six nights, we're going to Marrakesh, Morocco, as well as uh, six nights in the Sahara Desert. And so that's in September. Um, The first trip is September 11th, and then we're doing uh, September 18th and September 25th. All the information about the trip is on my website, designedbyl.com, or my Instagram, designedbyl, at designedbyl. Um, And I always welcome people to, you know, DM me, email me, whatever, if they want more information. But it's going to be an amazing trip. Uh, Flights are not included, but everything else is. So once you get to Morocco, I got you. Your trip packaging covers accommodations, uh, three meals per day. I got your breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You're good. Um, All the excursions we're going to do because we're going to ride camels. We're going to ATV. You know, we're doing Atlas Mountains. Like, I have a lot of stuff. Plan. Like, I love Morocco. Um, when I planned to go there, I was only supposed to stay in Morocco for one month. Uh, but two weeks into it, Zoe and I just fell in love with it. And so I ended up living there for a year. But again, that wasn't the plan. <laughs> I was going to be, the right. plan was to be there for one month and then I was going to Senegal. But Morocco is a magical place. And I just want more people to experience Africa. Uh, and for a lot of people, they think, oh, well, Morocco's North Africa. It's not you know, Africa, Africa, but Moroccans, 
very much identify as African. And it's insulting it as hell to try to separate North Africa from right. the rest of the continent. Like, that's what they want us to do. Africa, you in Africa, baby, you are home. So um, right. Africa is Africa, now, and um, I want more people to experience Africa. And I respect that, and I know you mentioned it earlier um, on the show, uh, but you're actually, like you said, about to take a trip, you know, to West Africa in a sense to kind of get to your roots as well, from what I understand. Yeah, so you can, you can yeah, yeah, speak yeah. Speak about that aspect, because I know when I talked to you about it, you were excited about that opportunity yeah. as well. Thank you. Thank you for intervening and stopping me, because I was not going to get on my Africa soapbox. They would get me so mad about that. But, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Montoya, I'm in the process of uh, tracing my roots. So just a little taste of Africa I got. You know, I'm just hungry for more. (laughs) And um, so my sister always likes me to say that, okay, I didn't do the Ancestry.com stuff, but my sister did it. She paid for it, and I cheated, and I got her results. Okay, that was my disclaimer. So my sister did 23andMe and got our overall um, background from where we're from, mm-hmm. they give you the general countries that you're from. And then we did right. AfricanAncestry.com to find out the tribe in Africa where you're from. So I discovered from this that I am 73% sub-Saharan African. And uh, the majority of that, I think 72% or 71%, oh, you're black, black. 8%. I'm black, black, that's what I'm telling you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, 72% is from West Africa. And from the African uh, Ancestry.com, I learned that we're from three tribes in Guinea-Bissau, Sierra Leone, and Liberia. And so I'm planning to go to those three countries, as well as um, Benin, Tomo, Senegal, a few, I can't remember all of them, but I'm trying to hit eight uh, countries in West Africa, I guess trying to redeem myself because, like I said, when I went to Morocco, I was only supposed to be there for a month, and then my plan was to travel Africa starting with Senegal, and I just never made it out of Morocco. So I'm going back to Morocco this year because I've gone back every year since I've been there. I, you know, I miss my friends and my family and everyone there, but um, I am leaving Morocco this time, <laughs> and I'm making it to West Africa, <laughs> and I'm hoping to literally find my tribe. So that's the journey I'm on. I've been meeting different people because, again, I believe strongly in people connections and just the human aspect of it. So I've been connecting with different people in, in West Africa or who have family in West Africa who are, gonna, who are helping me on this journey to connect with other people and meet people and navigate the country and um, just to try to find where I'm from, you know, and really connect. To a place where I belong. No, that's that's major, and I'm super excited. You know, I mentioned this last night. Um, the Mental Dialogue Community Club, one of our pillars is travel abroad, and so we're finally signed up to do our first trip, trip abroad, and we're going to do Senegal 2020 New Year's. Yeah, so excited about my first opportunity to go uh, back to go well, to go to the motherland. I've never had a chance to. You know, since I, one time in the military, we landed on a island right outside of, and I still don't even remember where exactly it was, but that doesn't count. We just landed on the, you know, yeah. island for like a half a day. So I've never had a chance to go, um, you know, uh, to the motherland. And my goal with the community club is that we try to di- go to different countries every couple of years. So super excited about um, New Year's awesome. 2020 in Senegal uh, with the um, Travel Africa movement or whatever. So we'll be getting that set up next month um, at the live experience. So so super dope, you know, that again, that you're yeah. taking your roots 
Mm-hmm. And my, if I could my, add, my um, think, yeah, yeah, please go ahead. A lot of people don't realize it, but this year has 2019 has been named the year of the return. This is an initiative right. by Africa um, to commemorate 400 years since the first slave trip slave ship landed in North America, mm-hmm. and it's also a call to action for the diaspora to return to the continent and reconnect um, with the continent. And so yeah, this is the year. Like I feel yeah, thank like thank you for highlighting that. Yes, for pointing it out. Absolutely. Yeah, the sister yeah, that we're doing the synagogue trip. I don't care. Do it next year. Right. But right, it. right. Yeah, but the sister that that we're doing the synagogue trip, you know, that's the one that she's highlighting that specifically. That one in the summer because they're doing a big, I guess, all type of festivals and all type of things throughout the continent or whatever. And so, so yeah, yeah she's definitely encouraging people to to cut, you know, like I said, the year of the return. So yeah, thank you for highlighting that. You know, because if you haven't heard. You need to know, and if you're capable, well, I shouldn't say if you're capable, because according to you, you're capable. Uh, you're no capable. Excuse. Yeah, no excuse, no no excuse whatsoever. Yes, I w- girls trip to I w- Morocco. Yeah, again, I I just want more people to go, and so uh, website designed by L, just the letter L, designed by L dot com. Or on Instagram, at designed by L. Yeah. If I can help. And you know, one thing that Fanny's mentioned this real quick before we go as well. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to tell people, even if it's not their year to travel, you know, if you just would like motivation or to live vicariously, like I'm planning to continue to live because I tell people I'm just trying to live before I die. Like that's the goal. So if you just want to watch, watch me live so you can get motivation to live your life. Um, I encourage people definitely to follow me on Instagram, DM me. I want to share the experience. That's what I'm using the social media platform for because I want more people to believe in the possibility. Well, I definitely get that from following you. Again, I've I've enjoyed following you on Instagram, uh, you know, since I've been following you to just kind of see what you're doing. And and it encourages me. It absolutely encourages me. And then, again, I know – you enough to know specifically that, you know, how much, I mean, you are literally um, just dedicated to the idea of living. And the sad part is most people do not live. Um, That's a reality Mm -hmm. for a lot of us and, you know, or whatever. So to see you do it to the degree that you do it, uh, again, it's just complete admiration um, to the degree. And I think that though others who follow you, follow follow you they can be inspired you know to do the same and then again you're just so willing to help people that's the that's the thing about you you know again just in getting to know you you have all these international relationships but you make friends as if you've known them you know anyway you know what i mean that's just kind of how you move and it definitely it you know has paid off and thank you i do agree yeah i do agree that to a certain extent, there's, you know, there, as Americans, you know, there's limits. And then specifically in um, the African-American community, in some cases, we are just less exposed. And so that's, it's mm-hmm. no longer necessary, you know, in the information age, um, the, you know, Absolutely. the ability to do it, um, you know, even the idea of, you know, just Airbnb, like that concept, there are people who are afraid of that concept. And it's so much cheaper than living in a hotel. But some people will still pick a hotel because they couldn't imagine 
I'm going to go to a country and stay in somebody's house I never met in another country. Actually, I got Brother P. If you want to get in, I know it's time for to get you off the air. Let me see if you want to say something hey, before you go. Brother uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, what's up, Brother P. I, I, I got about 30 <laughs> seconds with uh, Letitia. I don't know if you got something for her, but I'm going to let you jump in real quick before we let her go. No, I was going to say hello to Letitia, but I was going to uh, speak on some opportunities for those okay. who are interested in uh, looking into the tourist business over in uh, okay. Central Africa. But you don't have enough time, so I guess I can just hang on till you come no, back. No, 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 no. You can go ahead and get them out. I'll, I'll just check with her to see. If, I know she. She has. I don't want to keep her running alone. You could definitely. Um. Well, um, there's the, there's some opportunities in uh, Zambia. I want to hear this. Share. There's opportunities okay, yeah, go ahead. in Zambia. Jackie, she wants to hear it too. Yeah, there's some opportunities in in uh, Zambia, uh, Central Africa, right there above uh, Zimbabwe. Mm. And for those who want to really, you know, take it to the next level, uh, the possibility uh, you would have to plot plot your your visitation sites. You might want to get into accommodations so that you can control that uh, the transportation. Uh, a group is going to be meeting in uh, Texas in the next few months. If somebody was interested in attending that and getting some further details, but uh, uh, those tour groups uh, possibilities is is a wide open. You know, you think about how the Patel, the Indians got started in accommodations in the United States to the point where they own 28,000 hotels and motels in a business about $130 billion a year. So, uh, wow. the that's what you're looking at over there. Yeah, there's a thank you for sharing that. There, that's the thing I tell people all the time. There are a lot of opportunities abroad. It's not just in the U.S. And whatever job you have in America, that job exists outside of the country. And if it doesn't exist, that's just another opportunity for you to create it. But there are a lot of opportunities outside of the U.S. And you know another thing, nah, too, I love it. Uh, that, that works well is uh, health retreat. Uh, you know how people uh, will go to these retreats here to get off of addictions and so forth. Well, the yep. same thing could be done there too. You're talking about a, a, a particular clientele, but uh, those health retreats that you could have in an African country set up where you have the atmosphere, you have the... Uh, mm-hmm. I love it. Thank you, Brother uh, Pierre. I've actually got to get my next hour guest on. And Leticia, you have been wonderful uh-huh. This morning, I appreciate you. Yay. And again, um, just, yeah, uh, what is it, designed by L.com? Uh, did I say it correctly? You did, designed with an ED. Designed by L, just the letter L, dot com, and Instagram at designed by L. All right, and if you will, um, send me a direct message and I'll put it up under the replay as well. Thank you, Brother Pianchi, for those opportunities. Let me get to, go to Thank our you for having break. Me, we'll come back with. Absolutely. We'll go. We'll come back with uh, Brother Mickey Dalton, CEO of Square Biz Entertainment. We'll be right back. You listen to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways. Every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. 
Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am pleased to have on our second-hour guest, Nikki Dalton, CEO of Square Biz Entertainment. Thank you, brother, for being with us this morning. So I gave him a little promo of what you out here doing with this, <laughs> this music industry. And so I hope right, I surprised right. you with it, but thank you so much for being with us. King, if you will, say hello to the truth seekers out there and give a little bit of your background because you don't just do music, though, King. So, um, just like, yes, sir. You know, I love music, and so it's an opportunity for me to talk about something I love as well. Uh, but, again, thank you for being with us, King. My pleasure. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, you're coming through pretty good, brother. You're a little, you okay, sound thanks. a little low, uh, but I don't know if yeah, I don't know, but you, but you're clear, though, so don't, everybody can hear you. Go ahead. Okay, so first of all, thank you. I was very flattered by the – I did not expect that, so thank you for playing a, a clip of that song. Um, that's our first release um, from the label, and it, it's doing quite well right now. So uh, as he said, I'm, my name is Mickey Dalton. Um, I'm president and CEO of Square Business Entertainment. Um, it's one of three companies that I actually run right now, but it is the one that's getting the most attention and surprisingly the most the most traction right now. So – uh, that's that's one thing that I'm passionate about, and uh, a little bit about me. Um, born in Chicago, uh, raised in, in Atlanta, essentially. Um, played ball in high school. and was a pretty above, above average student, and um, and that's a very quick synopsis of my childhood. But it got me to the point where I, I met I met Smitty uh, in college, and it was we were fast friends. We played football, uh, but what came even quicker than you would imagine is the, the, the concept of family, and it wasn't just a friendship. Um, so it, me, Smitty, and I would say probably at least a good, all of our Academy brothers for sure, is, is, it's like a, almost like a fraternity, but in that and in that group, I would say there was, a, I would say a good dozen of us where it was just ride or die, and um, one of the most um, fulfilling aspects of my young adult, um, uh, young adulthood that really taught me a lot of values that I still embrace today, just about loyalty and, and understanding what a true brother and a, and a real friend really is. And, um, you know, played ball at, at the academy, did some things there, and then um, left the academy to, uh, for a number of reasons. And one was trying to chase my original childhood dream of, of trying to get into the NFL as a 5'7 cornerback and realized that that didn't work. Wound up finishing up at the University of Northern Iowa um, a couple of uh, conference championship rings on my belt, an MVP of a bowl game uh, about 20-something years ago, and uh, but knew that that chapter was over when it was over and went into corporate America uh, right out of college. They moved me down to Dallas, and I've been there ever since. So IBM was my first job out of uh, college. They moved me down, and that started my career in sales uh, from an entry-level inside sales rep to outside sales and then into management and leadership roles uh, where I was able to bless a lot of other people uh, with opportunities that wouldn't have, you know, most likely may not have gotten a chance to do so and change their lives. Um, after doing that for 20 years. You know, I, lo- I love uh, that. 
Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Finish up. No, please finish up. Well, sorry, just yeah, briefly, just after 20 years of that. Yeah, but no, finish up. No, please finish very, up. Go ahead. Yeah. It just became very clear to me that I had dreams and things that I wasn't fulfilling. I was fulfilled in one sense, but I knew that I felt like God had more for me, and I felt like my skill set was such that I could do more for myself. If I can go run a $25 million book of business for a Fortune 500 company, I can make a million for myself. That was really my mentality. It's like it's time to do it, and I did it. And so we're we're in that right now, and um, this is my first interview uh, in the, I'll say my first music industry interview. So this is my my sixty minutes uh, Bradley moment. You know, Katie Curry. You, you, this is what you want to be right now. Bro. So thank you, and uh, and definitely a shout out to you for the platform and challenging people to think. And um, I, you know, I support you and I love you dearly. But I'm I'm ecstatic about uh, what you're doing and just you allowing me to do this is very very. Uh, I'm very grateful. Thank you. Well, the beauty, man, is again. This is our, our third every third Saturday. This is a series a conversation with smart people, and um, you, as you said, an above average student, um, you know. And as you said, we we made lifelong friendships at the academy, um, like none other. Um, that's the greatest thing that we took from that place, right? Is the friendships, absolutely, specifically. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, like you said, to the to the extent that even you know, like you said, as you let you know when you left, we still made sure. You know, I, I got all the fellas together and said, "Hey, Mick, we want you to come to graduation, man. Let's 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 make sure you get out here. You know what I mean? Right. And so, and so, we did, and we did, know, reu- we did a reunion in 2004 when everybody came to Dallas. You know, um, absolutely, all, uh, absolutely. That Fourth of July weekend. So yeah, we we keep in touch. Not as often as I like, but that's the beauty of it. We don't have to talk every day to know where we are. So yeah. Nah, man. No this is, like I say again, lifelong friendships um, to the extent. What I wanted to highlight is you said you spent a number of years in corporate uh, America because, again, um, as you said, you're moving into this thing to do it for yourself. And that's always a scary prospect because, like you said, although you knew you could run a $25 million book of business for another company or whatever, now it's all on you. But before we get into what you're doing now, um, can you maintain what we learned, like you said, those values to the extent that when you were moving up, you as an African-American, you ensured others got opportunities uh, specifically because that's a hard world to navigate um, for right. a lot of people. And some people do it kind of strictly with their selves in mind, if that makes sense, because it's easy to get yep. wrapped up and just look out for self. Like that world is right. built for it to go that way. And Absolutely. you kind of stay dedicated to ensuring that you didn't just move up and alone by yourself. So that's something that I want you to speak about before we jump into, you know what I mean, what you're doing now on your own, but just even talk about some aspects of how difficult it is for maybe somebody out there listening that's in corporate America and maybe they're being torn between I can look out for self or can I look out for this other person because sometimes there's these accusations within our own community that we don't always do that from time to time. So if you could just kind of speak about what that was like um, during your years in corporate. So I am one of those accusers. I I feel like we don't do that enough. And from the day one, and I could literally probably tap – 50 people, um, and I'm not exaggerating, that is not hyperbole, that will say that I played a direct and selfless role in contributing 
to others. Earlier, when I was younger and I first met you guys, I, I had a selfish side to me. I didn't grow up with the best of means. And so to finally get my hands on something, it, it manifested itself in a way that negatively impacted some people. And that, that hurt me. That, that made it, that changed me. And, but with that, having gotten into one of the biggest companies in the world straight out of college, I would ascertain knowledge. And it was not even a choice. It wasn't even a thought process on should I do it or not. I learned so much very quickly, and I'm like, wait a minute. Nobody was telling me this, and I don't want people to make the same mistakes that I made. I, ha- I can create a blueprint for one to transition and be successful. Now, it, not incorporating things like talent and work ethic and things, but assuming you have those, and I'm not really – honestly, I'm not even going to deal with you if you don't have that drive, you don't have that talent. And I'll be very honest about that feedback as well. But seriously, from – the moment I set foot in corporate America, it was imperative for me to identify younger brothers and sisters. And they weren't just all minorities, but the overwhelming majority of them were. Right. And, hey, I see something in you. Do you want this? What are you doing now? Here, let me, let me share this with you. So never really telling them what to do, but really being a coach, a guide, and a mentor. And, and I, I don't really think about it. They have people who have to come back and tell me the impact that I've had. It just happened here recently. It was um, so natural for you. Uh, it, it was. It was no. That's who I was, and I was. It was almost weird to people how committed I was to doing it. Why I would share so much knowledge and so many of my resources, and, and literally free of charge. I didn't want anything in return. I, I helped a brother start a catering business. He made two hundred thousand dollars his first year, and I, I, he needed that. But I had the contacts to help him pull it off, and so that wasn't even in wow. America. But I love blessing people. I don't. I will show you my entire hand. You have to play it better than I did, but I, I'm that confident in what I can do. I don't feel threatened at all by helping someone that is more talented than myself. Um, so, yes, that, that was well, let's, talk, let's talk about that one thing right there. Let's talk about what you just said. Because when you say you're one of those who accuse us of not doing enough of it, and, again, this is Correct. speaking to, to your background or whatever, and, and I, I, I will, as you said, when we were together at the academy, you know, I remember – you know, that, that, you know, since that selfish street that you talked about, you know what I mean? Right, but I right. loved over those, th- over the years, how, because of the love that we showed you, it was like, okay, if y'all go, if y'all are sincere, I can rock with this. And you right. literally became, you know, the, again, the person who had a selfish street to the person who would give his last. Like you really became that person. It just took us showing you that, nah, bro, you really our brother. Like you, like right. you, you can't do that. So I, I remember right. that, Mickey, to to the, to the, to this person. And then when we look at those out there who still will not do it, they won't show their hand because they feel like there's gonna be a leg up. Uh, like like what do you what what can you say to others to say, look, this is how it's worked for me. You're not you're not gonna hurt yourself to ensure somebody else is okay. But I think people literally think they, they, they're going to hurt themselves. Because why right. else I, cause I would we not look out more than we do? Well, I, that's – I mean, I, I, if I had the answer to that, I think I would be rich because I would have a heck of a book. And maybe, I, maybe we're figuring it out right now. Um, so thinking about it real time, I would say you really got to keep your ego in check, first of all. If you truly are a confident individual and you truly are a talented individual – in my mind and through the paradigm through which I view the world, then it is almost impossible for me to feel that way. So 
you, one needs to take a self-inventory first and get your, yourself together and get your confidence in check so you're, you're not feeling threatened or be, beef up your skill set so that you can be comfortable sharing that knowledge. Um, I say if you haven't done it, try it. Just start with one person, though. It sounds really cliche, right. but person, it's usually that young brother or sister that just came in on the job. You know, they just bought some brand-new clothes from Marshalls because they ain't got any money, and they're trying to come to work. And you teach <laughs> them the, how, to, how to conduct themselves in a corporate environment. You teach them how to, how to speak, how to, uh, to, to communicate properly via email and, 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 and some of the, 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 uh, the, what's the, the minutiae and the details of how, you know, yes, this is how you're going to be perceived, and that doesn't have to be a motivation. But focus on doing, conducting yourself, presenting yourself properly. But at the end of the day, and I will, I will say this probably two or three times before we're done, you have to perform in the job as well. So teach them how to do their job well. I worked in sales. There's generally a sales process. There's education around that. There's customer relationship management, closing deals, negotiating, so on and so forth. So I would literally take them through every aspect of what a successful deal looks like or a successful interaction, and it's one piece at a time. So it really is, it has to be a commitment to some level. That's why I just start with one. And invest. And keep in mind, you're talking about someone with a pretty ignorant baseline. They they probably just came off of a, you know from from, the, from their fraternity doing community service and a step show or whatever, and doing the college life thing. They don't know, so start with the basics, right? You know things you shouldn't nah, have in your cubicle, it. whatever it is. But nah, it, I love it's it. something that uh, Coach DeBerry used to say is the sound execution of basic fundamentals. Get them sharp on the fundamentals at the very least. Nah, I love it. Well, we actually up against the break. We're going to actually go ahead and play the full uh, Taylor Pace, <laughs> I Really Want You. So we're going to let people right. hear this music because we want to get hot and heavy um, coming out of this, this this track. Again, I know this is your lead single, so I want people to hear this. And listen to the <laughs> words because this brother is bringing back real R&B. And, 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 <laughs> and, and all we got today is a bunch of sex. So y'all are definitely changing the game, and I want to talk about I want to talk about that decision and how it affects the landscape of the music industry. So we'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. But all I ask is that you think. No, yeah, I get it. Okay, baby. Well, I gotta get off the phone. All right, I'll um, I'll call you a little bit later. All right.
nothing against hip-hop. It's just I'm old school to my heart. I ain't converting over. See, you know what hip-hop don't do? See, hip-hop don't sing about love no more. Nope. Without love, your ass is lacking major shit in your life. You punk ass running around talking about all the women you got. If your ass ain't in love, your ass done missed the whole ship. That's what I love about old school. They sing about love. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This second hour guest, conversation with smart people, Mickey Dalton, CEO of Square Biz Entertainment, as he was given a little bit of his background before the break. And while he spent time in corporate, now you are off on your own. And as you said before the break, Square Biz Entertainment, of the three businesses that you have, it's the one that's taken off. And um, I love that cut from Steve Harvey talking about <laughs> hip-hop not singing about love anymore. And I'm going to play another cut before this show is over. But that's what I recognize with the music. So I wanted to, you know, just kind of dig in, like, what's the thinking behind the stuff that y'all are offering out there? Because in my opinion, man, it, it doesn't sound like what I'm used to hearing in today's time. I feel like, um, again, I'm a big music lover, so I don't always dog out the younger people's music. Like, I'm not that, you know, right, I, I, right. I'm, I'm a hip-hop head. So I listen to hip-hop, right. too. Um, I listen to today's R&B, too. You know, I, I, I like a Trey songs, but at the same time, right then quite often are they never really singing about love. And so when you right. sent those offers to me, you know, about a month ago, I was like, man, okay, I'm really loving this because I grew up with some of that old school. I grew up. And so I wanted to kind of find out, you know, what's the thinking behind that because music is a powerful medium that, in my opinion, has been misused in our community for a long time. So I wanted to see, what you know, what are the thoughts behind what y'all are putting out there, if you don't mind, Ken. Oh man, uh, thank you. Um, first of all, I appreciate the promo in the pub like that. But you, you you touched on really what it is, man. It's um, the world is devoid of a lot of love right now. We're not very tolerant. Um, everybody's hypersensitive, and the one thing that's universal in all of us, even the the, the most um, mentally uh, challenged person or someone that has some serious issue, there's love in all of us. So for me. I am a very loving individual. I like to think I'm a romantic individual, but I think to be able to articulate um, one's feelings about the people that you love or the people that are close to you or to simply capture an emotion or, uh, and bring it, bring it to life, to personify that by way of words, that is the beauty of it for me. My wife has been a, a huge inspiration in my writings, and she's the one that really encouraged me to, you know, to push me over that hump. So uh, talking, talking about my love for her, my love for my family, um, I, 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 love is universal, and I wanted to deliberately focus on that, particularly with this first album release that we're doing. And uh, I'll tell you some other things we're doing later, but that's really it, man. Just get people back to the basics, and, and, and love can be the cure for all, uh, particularly for hate. And, um, you know, that's, that's, that's the, short, the shortest answer I can give you. No, I got it. And this, and this is what I understand. Your artist's name is Taylor Face. So if you want to kind of speak about yes. him or whatever, did you assist with writing this one um, as well, if I could ask? Or go, go ahead, okay. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, so let me tell you about Taylor Face. And he's a, it is a blessing that I met him. And I met him through a mutual friend who's a singer. And I kept, I had all these songs. I've been writing for 20 years, man. So, but about the last seven years, I really started focusing on songs. And I have a lot of poems as well. 
but I didn't know how to really get that process done. So I had to teach myself the business side of the music industry and how to make this happen. And I realized I needed a producer. Um, and so I originally just met with him to get the songs produced as demo tracks. And I was going to shop them to publishing companies and publishing libraries and to artists directly or try to find my own artist that could sing based on his demo. But he was so good and it was so natural for him um, that nobody could sing the song better than him. So I just approached him and said, hey, why don't we just drop an album together? And then that became, that started this process of our creative process together. Um, and I think he's on the line. But if you want to hear more from him, I do want to give a shameless plug. Um, follow him on Instagram and Twitter, please. It's M. Taylor Pace, so Milton Taylor Pace. M. Taylor Pace on Instagram and Twitter. And he's Taylor Pace Music on Facebook. I would really appreciate the follow. And just check out the the. Uh, the releases that we have. Uh, so that's, that's how I met him. And I did, I wrote the first album. I wrote the entire album, every lyric, every word. Um, we do collaborate and, um, and he has some creative freedoms as well. I think he would tell you I'm pretty stubborn and pretty, pretty particular about how I want it done because those are my words and I want them conveyed a certain way. He also writes songs as well. And we're going to, our second album of releases, is going to be, predominantly him writing all those songs. So it, I treat him more like a partner than someone that's signed to my label, so to speak. And um, he's a multi No, I love it. And if, so, Taylor's, yeah, if, he's out, yeah. Yeah, if Taylor's out there, uh, press one, Taylor. will get you on the air uh, with us for a little while as well. So if you are able out there to hear me, make sure you press one, and we'll get you um, on the air with us as well. Because, again, yeah. I'm loving these offerings. And I want to kind of go, um, you know, to a certain extent, it, uh, a little deeper in reference to, and, I'm, and I was already kind of mentioning it when we were talking about Steve Harvey saying, hey, hip-hop doesn't talk about love anymore. But I know at the Mental Dialogue Community Club here in Atlanta, quite often um, you'll see a lot of back and forth about, for example, the role that hip-hop plays when it comes to our youth mm-hmm. today, um, you right. know, and that kind of thing. And so mm-hmm. one thing I figured out some years ago, and again, I'm a hip-hop head. I grew up with hip-hop. I'm the same, you know, we're the same, you and I, we're the same age as hip-hop. You know what I mean? So we are hip-hop yep, heads. Exactly. But with that said, though, I thought about it for years ago from this standpoint. Some people go as far as to try to blame the music for a lot of the issues we're seeing in our community. I don't go as far as to blame it. But what I will say, and I just kind of want to hear your thoughts about this as well, Mickey, is the idea that, um, our youth quite often, the music expression is the universal expression. And if the music that you're listening to, you know, when we grew up, music covered all emotions. And now we're in a situation where it's not covering all emotions, love, all scenarios. And so right. I see youth quite often who only listen to certain types of music all day long. And when I end up writing, you know, because, you know, I like to write as well. Uh, not necessarily write for singing, but just, you know, like, you know, I like to write. And I remember writing right. something that's never left me, and it's the idea that if, you, if, if this is what you listen to all day, how will you ever know how to love a woman and in, 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 in your best form of expression for love is typically in your music. And if you've never heard type of music, it actually it actually stunts you in your relationships with others, because like you said, we yeah. all have love in us. We're gonna to try to seek it out anyway, but it's typically dysfunctional. And I think it, we have to 
recognize how powerful music is when it comes to our relationships. Any thoughts on that, King? Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, so. I, I agree with you that it, it certainly does have an effect, um, and there's a, 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 a multitude of factors that goes into what has an impression on a person in their life. And what, so I would never blame the music. Um, so to what you're saying, though, I grew up. My father was a musician. My father could play the saxophone beautifully. I used to watch him seren- literally serenade my mother in the house. He's a I have poems from him wow. from 1971, the actual poems he wrote, hand wrote to my mother, probably a hundred of them. So I grew up as a child watching my mother be serenaded and, and, and you know, nurtured and, and romanticized, if you will. And so I wanted that. I did. I'm, I'm a relationship kind of guy, that kind of thing. So, But in terms of the youth of today, um, yes, I do think it's um, – it's it's the, it's devoid of a lot of love. It's the way a lot of women are portrayed. And I love hip-hop. Don't get me wrong. That is my generation. I'm all in. You know, and I struggle with some of the newer music, but I'm, I'm found a love for that as well. But it it really is. And it's rare to see someone genuinely give a woman some props or to adore a woman or to edify a woman. And I do want to do that, right? And we have songs about other things too, but in these initial releases, it was important to drop the first two that we did when we did them. Um, being around this season of love, Valentine's Day and all that. We did that because it is, we want to, I don't know if we're bringing it back per se, but I certainly want, we have the ability to say these things in a way that I think people can digest it, internalize it, and appreciate it. And that was our goal. Um, I pray for, no, I I pray for you. Matter of fact, you know. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's do this. Let's let, let's let them hear another offering. I, I really love, um, this one is called Love Can't Define This. I, I really love this one, and I, I definitely encourage anyone out there listening, uh, pay attention to the lyrics, because, again, um, you even went, you took this one even further. Um, you know, you don't see, yeah. you don't hear the word God on, on TV anymore or whatever, so you definitely don't see it in a regular uh, see, um, you and my brother. We're going to talk R&B about song, that. So. Right, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go ahead and <laughs> let this take it. Another offering from Square Biz Entertainment, Taylor Pace, Love Can't Define This. We'll be right back. Capture all your sweetness and your kindness 
Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith. This morning's conversation with smart people featuring Nikki Dalton, CEO of Square Biz Entertainment. I actually got a caller that wants to get in. I don't know if this might be Taylor. Let's check and see. I'm pretty sure it is. Area code 817, last three, 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 five. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion with Mickey Dalton. <laughs> hey, so this is Taylor Pace. Uh, I'm hey, how you doing, man? I'm loving, I'm loving what I'm hearing, man. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Thanks, thanks, man. It sounds good on the radio. I like that. I get used to that. <laughs> right, I can dig it. Yeah, yeah. We need to blow. We need to blow those up, man. But um, but yeah, glad to have you on. So yeah, we'll keep you on with this for a few a uh, few minutes as well, uh, Mickey. I know. Okay, again, cool, I was just mentioning the idea that you know that the the word that you're using in this particular song is not something you're typically going to hear in a R&B offered in today's time. So definitely wanted you to speak to that. And then, Taylor, you can jump in as well. But go ahead, Nick. Yes, uh, I am a lover of Christ, uh, unapologetically and unashamedly. Um, I, uh, as you know, I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't grow up that way. It was a deliberate search uh, for the God that created this earth uh, that gave me life, blessed me with children, and the, the talents and skill set. So to me, it would be remiss for me to not acknowledge him as often as possible. So you're going to hear a reference to God or the Lord in probably everything that I write at some point. And uh, whether it's, I mean, we have, we've done a gospel song as well, but I got I got to show him that love. And I think I owe at least that to do that. Uh, but particularly it, it well, just in any scenario. So that it is very deliberate. It's amazing that you, you picked up on that and, and then your emphasis on the lyrics as the lyricist of the song um, that's near and dear to my heart. So um, I think the focus uh, in this world, it's definitely been away from God, uh, and specifically in music, away from lyrics. Um, people into melodies and the character of the artist versus the content and the meaning behind it. Well, let me say this before I let Taylor jump in, um, because you know this as well. You supported me um, years ago because you know when I got out the Air Force, I actually took a jump into the music industry mm-hmm. with a good friend of mine as a hip-hop artist. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, having that type of background, um, was there any part of you that, again, when you think about R&B offerings and what they've kind of always been even throughout our life, was there any part of you that was concerned about that being kind of an issue within the R&B industry? Because generally speaking, having been in the industry quite often, certain things are kind of frowned upon or maybe like, or, you know, or not necessarily frowned upon, but it's just kind of say, you know what, it kind of separates, you know what I mean, secular. Right. Yeah, yeah. So right. it's like like yeah. you're taking a chance, you know, to a certain extent until Kanye, you know, does it with Jesus walking, it blows up. But even he was told, you know what I mean, don't don't do that song, don't do that song. You know what I mean? Right. So uh, was any of those things did that cross your mind in these offers? Absolutely not. Um, if you don't make music that is personal and has meaning to you, okay, let me say it this way. For me, I cannot make music that is not personal to me or has a meaning or something that I can connect with. Um, Taylor and I kind of, if we ever have conflict, it's usually over creative conflict because he trusts his ears as he should. He's a more accomplished musician. I trust what I wrote and the, and the melody that I hear in my head. So I have to own that. And if you don't make music like that, I, w- I would discourage anyone from doing it. 
because that is the way people will connect. They will they can tell that you're genuine, that the, the lyrics are heartfelt. And I want to right. connect with the people that can receive that. I'm not. I don't need the the, the necessarily. The 18-year-old hip-hop head that's all about the, the mumble rap generation, God bless you, take it easy, it's all good. So I make music for people that will accept it, and if that winds up being five people, then that's, that's a beautiful thing to me, honestly. So it's not so much in how it is received per se. Um, do I want it to be successful commercially? Yes. But right now, we're, our mission is to create good music and get better at that process so that we can capitalize on opportunities as they come. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, the visuals are amazing. The visuals, so not only is it sounding good, but the visuals you've put out are amazing. Go ahead, Taylor. Yeah, and I was just going to piggyback off of what Mickey said. Like, um, um, and today, I feel like today is is a new day where, you know, um, going from the product to the consumer, there's really not a, a middleman anymore. So right. artists and people are free to kind of just create and, you know, there are tons of people out there that that just want to hear good music. You know, talking about God, I mean, it's, it's um, you know, it's millions and millions of people who who love God and love like R and B and who love secular music. So I mean, I just feel like I feel like that is a that's not even an, an issue anymore. You know, like there's tons of people out there that are receptive that would that will be and are receptive to to that. And you know, God is love, so. Hey, it's all good. Yeah. No, it's beautiful, <laughs> but I mean, you know, for the most part, the the industry is always, to a certain extent, almost kept it separated. Separated, you know what it I mean? Has, so, yeah. no, so that's why has. I just that's why I'm giving y'all credit for jumping out there like that. Um, yeah, again, just as an observer and a lover of music myself. Go ahead, Mickey. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Well, I just want to say, because Taylor brought up a good point in this in this DIY uh, generation, do-it-yourself generation of music. It it has never been easier to create and distribute music. The issue comes with, or what's limited normally, is your ability to promote and, and, and to get the word out. But nowadays, you can literally, once the product is done, you can release a song in the atmosphere around the world for $5. It's not, that's not expensive. And so there's so many right. digital distribution companies out there to get it out. Um, and our creative process is, is really natural for us. So that's not, that's not necessarily difficult. Um, but the, the ability to do it yourself and to have that creative freedom is greater than ever now. So that's why another reason why we're probably not fearful to do it because it will get to the people that want it at some right. point. And, and so uh, right. that's, that's the beautiful part. We don't feel like we have to be told what we can make. Um, and I don't think we'll ever – I think we would get out of the industry before that happened or just do live music before we would allow somebody to tell us how we're going to do our music. Yeah, I love it. Why the, why the name Square is? This is entertainment. Man, you are my brother from another mother. I, I was wondering if you asked me that. That is, again, very deliberate. Um, there's a lot of shadiness in this music industry, and I believe in conducting business um, with, with high integrity, uh, transparency, and I want to be part of a movement that we stop treating artists and creators like just an artist or a creator. Uh, it should be a partnership. And I, I, I can't speak for Taylor, but I think he will – through particularly through recent conversations we've had, it is I want him to know I value him, and he brings a tremendous amount of value, and he should reap the benefit of that not only in the creative end on the front end, but if this thing does take off, he is he will he will do well. We will both do well financially. It won't be a disparity in that, and and that's important. So anybody I deal with, I'd rather have fewer artists on my label, 
that I can rock with, and there's a level of trust, transparency, and communication so we can create the best music possible. And then I'm going to show you the, the, the respect that you, you, should, you should have as a creator, uh, as a man, and, and we're a team. So in order for me – so some of that is leadership and psychology. I'm not, I'm, I'll acknowledge that. But it's to send that message early and often that, you know, we're going to talk about paperwork. We've had difficult conversations about well, get the difficult conversation out of the way early so you're not having it later in court. Yeah. Hey, nah, and, and let, me, let, let me piggyback off of Mickey, too, because from, coming from the artist side – Coming from the artist side, um, okay, hold on, baby. Um, that is, I feel like that's the way that um, business is going. Like you have to be in this, just because of the the landscape of you know how how the world is happening with the internet and everything is so fast access and people have more access to to different things. Like business will businesses will have to be more transparent. And Mickey is like straight up, uh, you know, from jump. <laughs> and he takes care of business, and that is great for an artist because lots of times we're missing absolutely. that side of it, you know. So oh, absolutely. Just Again, value, having spent uh, no, nah, yeah. haven't spent a number yeah, of years just, in it myself. That's always a concern right. for the artist. The artist is always worried about: Am I getting jerked because people are saying a lot of good stuff? Um, you know, even in the time that I was in, uh, I even had an executive once say to me, "You're actually too honest for this industry." Or whatever, because no. it it definitely came out of the history of again we talked about so you know a number of years ago now, but we know that industry sure. came out you know whatever. But like you said, with the way y'all can get your music yourself to the world, not dependent yeah, on these labels, evolving. and so yeah, absolutely. So um, and I, I, like I, I absolutely. Good, I, I feel like he's setting a good example. Like he's a, he's he's um almost being like a. Um, a trailblazer in like being so upfront mm-hmm. and so, and it's, I feel like it's going to pay off for him. Well, yeah. You know, you know, that's why I asked that question. I'm like, I love the name. I know exactly why you call it that. Or, you know what I'm saying? Cause I know your <laughs> sister, you know, I know your, you know, I know it. And I say, well, let me let this brother speak to it because again, in the industry where there's still a lot of shadiness, I mean, you know what I mean? Right. You know, we just, well, yeah. last year, um, you know, Rihanna was still getting jerked out of millions or whatever, and not, you know, whatever, and not, you know what I mean. But just to, you know, somebody even on that level can get jerked or whatever. So I, you know, I want to definitely highlight and give you credit, um, Taylor. Thank you for being with us, man. I'm gonna go ahead and rock this last segment uh, yeah, with with Mickey, man. But yeah, but definitely glad you get, uh, got a quick call in, man. I'm loving the music though, for real, absolutely. Uh, uh, awesome, man. Thank you. Nah, absolutely. Well, yeah. you know, Mickey, when I. We can talk about a bunch of things. I'm gonna, we're going to move this last segment uh, into an area of some things that's happening today. Because one thing you and uh-huh. I have never been bored of is being able to t- discuss anything that's happening out here in the landscape. Correct. And so, um, so again, well, what matter of fact, what we'll do before we go to this break, if there's anything else you want to highlight um, about the music specifically before we go to this break, I'm going to kind of just give you the floor. Then we're going to go to a break and, and discuss this Gucci uh, right, right. I, I, I want to do that. How long do I have? Three minutes? Two minutes? Uh, you got you about two minutes, brother. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm going to give you two minutes so, to kind of lay it out for Square Biz Entertainment. Anything you got coming, go ahead and lay it out. And then we'll do it at the end again, too. But go ahead, Ken. For sure. So, real quick, follow me on uh, Instagram at uh, Square Business Entertainment, all one word. Uh, the number four, at the number four Square Business on uh, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, M. Taylor Pace on Instagram and Twitter, and Taylor Pace Music on Facebook. 
real quick, advice to artists that I will get or label owners, if you're out there, you're in the industry, I want to give you a few pearls real quick. Learn the business. Understand how you get paid. Understand what a good contract looks like. Uh, and, and create leverage for yourself by increasing your skill set. Um, don't just be an artist. Learn to play an instrument. Um, take a negotiating class. Understand what a good record deal looks like so that when you get to that moment, you're not so thirsty. You just sign anything. Um, I hate when people say, oh, they got screwed by the contract. No, they signed the contract. They should have read it and got a lawyer right. to review it. So get, a, get an attorney involved. Um, learn how to market and promote yourself. You know, at least get the grassroots you know, the social media thing down, read up on that, study the business side of it, um, and don't give up. It's a slow business. Stick with it. Keep creating. Keep pushing it. And, and, and build alliances that can help move you to another level or at least another place so you can learn more and get more exposure. So I just wanted to plug that in real quick. No, nah, that's beautiful, man. That's a, a perfect way to end this segment as we go to break. When we come back, we'll listen to the cut, and we'll kick off this Again, this situation with Gucci uh, when we come right. back from break. You're cool. listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Well, all I ask is that you think. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways. Every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. You know, you know, people like T.I., Soldier Boy, they're done with Gucci. All I got to say is this. I don't follow. Right. I do what I want to do, when I want to, and how I want to. I love him like everybody. Right, right. You said they're going to be upset with me? Right, they are. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love, love it. it. I love... See, the thing is this. I live for myself. Right. I live for right. myself. I do what I want to do when I want to and how I want to. Right. I'm not a follower. You know, when everybody else, they say, oh, they, everybody going to boycott. I say, guess what? Well, this boy going to get on a yacht and live life. Right, right, right. But you don't feel that they were disrespectful making the, the, the balakabla, the blackface? My thing is this. Sure. We all know racism still exists, but that's not going to stop my drive. I got friends from all walks of life. And to me, of course, black lives matter first. But my thing is this. I'm going to continue to go out there, live life, and be happy and be positive. Okay. I wear what I want to wear when I want to and how I want to. Nobody can stop my drive, and nobody's going to tell me what to wear and what not to wear. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's conversation with smart people featuring Square Biz Entertainment CEO Mickey Dalton, as we just hear, served a cut from Floyd Mayweather, basically saying, hey, he's going to keep rocking his Gucci um, after the controversy of the blackface um, gear they pretty much put out, and people are calling for T.I.'s, calling for um, boycott. Um, matter of fact, T.I. made a song, I don't know if you probably heard it, made a song about Floyd Mayweather saying that, hey, he's not supporting um, the community when we have a company that's basically disrespected the community this way. But we also know, I don't know if everybody knows, but, hey, Gucci sales are up, even amongst this controversy. So there's a lot that goes into the thought process for any time we have these different transgressions that continue to happen with these companies. 
So any thoughts from you, Mickey, on, you know, what you saw <laughs> recently, how you see, how you feel about Floyd saying, hey, I'm wearing what I want whenever I want to. Forget y'all. Go ahead, King. Right, right. Um, so let me, I want everybody to know, um, Smith and I did not discuss this beforehand, so I don't know where he stands on it. And I and I will and I'm gonna challenge some people to think about this. Previously on some shows you've had, you've you've heard me make comments about groupthink. And groupthink, for those that don't know, it is uh in the in the simplest terms, it is everyone defaulting or gravitating to the more popular opinion or the more dominant opinion, even if one may or may not feel that way. Um I, I think it's something that plagues a lot of people. I think it also it definitely is prevalent in the African American community, particularly issues like this. Um, I want to be very clear. I think it is absolutely impossible for an entire an entire creative team to make a product like that, and somebody doesn't say something or someone doesn't feel it. Now, I've been in corporate America. There's not there's a lack of courage in, in a lot of these environments, and some people right. may have noticed it and felt it and didn't say anything. Um, so I don't agree with the with the sweater. It it took me back. I think it was it was it was definitely irresponsible in some sense, uh, in, a, in a significant way, and people have a right to be offended. Now, with that, and what I want to get to is this concept of, of two points I want to make: the concept of groupthink. We have to fight this more. Some of people out here, some African Americans out here, noticed it, felt it, but they're not at this level of outrage that say a Ti or a Fifty Cent is. And I'm using their names just because they're bigger names. Charismatic leaders right. in the in the community. Um, so, but there's a lot of people that feel that way. There are other people that are neutral about it, and some people honestly just don't care. And what I want to, and to my second point, we have to learn, particularly as Black people, but as Americans, we have to learn to respect other people's views on things. Um, I'll tell you a quick story about the Starbucks thing when it went down, uh, and I got to give my wife a shout out on this. So we, I'm like, can't go to Starbucks anymore. They they don't mess with Black people, do that. And and she's like, she she really told me she's like I'm disappointed in you because that's not who you are. You've always been a person of allowing people to to reconcile, to grow, to to apologize, and and I know you love Christ and Christ is about love and forgiveness. So my question to to the to the community or to whoever's listening is where's the love and how we're, we're we're treating Floyd or anyone else that dissents from the popular opinion? If that man wants to do what he wants to do, I don't think he should be. I mean, you're going to make an entire – I'm a T.I. fan to the fullest. I'm a 50 fan, but I'm a, really a T.I. fan. And it disappointed me that he went to that extent to shame another brother for not sharing his view. And, yeah, he's – Floyd ain't the most articulate guy in the world, and I live for myself. That statement stood out to me. I wish he wouldn't have said that because we do have a, a fiduciary responsibility as black men, as default leaders in our community, particularly with those of, of wealth and power and influence to be more careful with how we do things, but I respect his ability and his right to have that, that opinion. But I'm, overall, I'm disappointed at our, our lack, uh, our unwillingness to forgive, to show that love, and give Gucci also the chance to reconcile. I shot you an article yesterday, uh, Smitty, and, I, and I, I wanted to read a brief piece out of it if I, if I could. So keep Go me ahead. Yeah, please do. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. But yeah, go ahead. This, this, to me, what I, what I teach my children and what I encourage people around me that I'm close with, accountability is huge. We are going to make mistakes. And so if we were all crucified for the biggest mistakes we made, then none of us could recover. But in this article, an individual, Alessandro Michel, stood up and basically fell on the grenade. He said, 
The fact that, contrary to my intentions, that turtleneck jumper evoked a racist imagery, um, evoked a racist imagery, causes me the greatest grief. He said in the letter to Gucci's 18,000 employees. Um, but I am aware that sometimes our actions can end up causing unintentional effects. It is therefore necessary taking full accountability for these effects. Let's just stop right there. They made an egregious error, in my opinion. But if we as mature adults don't have the love in our heart, the capacity to allow someone to reconcile, to be educated, and to grow, um, then we're doing ourselves a disservice, and we're limiting ourselves. So um, I'm not here to, to – this is not propaganda for or against Gucci. It's about a mindset, and I want us to embrace more love and embrace more forgiveness. And, and let's be more human about this thing because we too will make mistakes, and we just don't have a spotlight on our mistakes like that. And I say, let's, let's, let's show some love, lay off of Floyd a little bit, let that man think the way he wants to think, and, and let Gucci get, become better. Gucci, Prada, Starbucks, all of them, from what I understand, are at least making plans to incorporate, hire more black people, have more black people or minorities in the creative process, so on and so forth. Let's see how this plays out before we just condemn someone completely. And what I was, yeah, I think I you're making some great points here, uh, Mickey, and here's the thing that matters in, in what you're saying. So because we've kind of become even more sensitive, right, when it comes to um, race issues, right, and, yep. and we're in the social media era where that group thing happens so fast because of access to group, to social media, right? And so when it Absolutely. happens that fast, what happens is we don't allow for any context. We don't allow as you said, someone to learn, um, you know what I mean? I, I, you know, even if I'm not necessarily in complete agreement or, you know, disagreement with you per se, that doesn't matter. Right. But that's how we operate with groupthink. It's that you must agree or disagree. There's no in-between. That is the biggest issue with groupthink and basically deciding whether someone is woke or not or down or not. We apply these basically these general concepts of what counts as being down, but as you said, specifically in our own lives, if we could have things we've done, um, you know, in our own lives magnify as some some type of celebrity or something of that nature, nature, we'll find out ain't nobody woke because you're going to make those mistakes because sometimes you may make a selfish decision that's not to the benefit of the group. Like, Sometimes a selfish decision may be out of necessity based on your life, or you may just be choosing right. to be selfish, you know, whatever. Right. But when we look at those moments and just basically are quick to dismiss, my issue is where I'm in agreement with you is I want to get out of the business of throwing people away. Absolutely. So easily. Now, right. I don't have respect for, as you said, when Floyd says, I'm about myself. So basically what happens is he's getting money without a level of consciousness. Um, I do agree with you. You know, when we have our children, and we have to raise our children just based on the realities of coming up in this country. We should raise our children with a level of consciousness, even getting as much money as they can get. You must do it with a level of conscience. When you get it for just yourself, then you can make decisions like Floyd to say, I'm just going to do what I want to do or whatever. And so I think it is cool to highlight to your child, I don't want you to be that way, but I can do that without dismissing 
every brother and every sister every time they do something that I don't like. And we have not gotten we've we've gotten we've we've started doing that so much that we literally are being moved emotionally based on agreement and disagreement, like or not like. These are right. basically just emotions and opinions and opinions are the lowest form of discussion. And with limited information, too. We're just taking snippets. So, like you said, we don't have the full context. And nor do we need it necessarily in this. I mean, you can form an opinion with, with the amount of information out there. It's just it's the mindset and the reaction, the way we treat each other about it. It's like I have the right, you know, like, for example, I mean, this is a – and I know some are out here listening right now, but, oh, my God, be, be a black Republican, right? And, and I'm not, but I'm saying be a black Republican – and oh my God, you're you're going to be subjected to a lot of scrutiny in our in our in our community, and, and some people feel justified in doing so. It's a, we got to respect others' opinions. We're all different, and and I think the the beauty and the strength is in those differences. Um, and we sometimes we got to agree to disagree, man. But uh, throwing people away, the the, over, the 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 form of it's a form of bullying, unfortunately, and peer pressure, um, and all derived from group thinking. I, I just would love to see us get bigger and better than that. And um, we can be more productive as a society. Yep, and I'll even challenge, I even challenge the statement sometimes the agree to disagree statement sometimes, um, right. because quite often just to even get it you know just to go a little in depth with that that statement sometimes is just a way to end conversation sometimes like just to you know what I mean whereas you really should continue right. the dialogue because there is a difference in which if you are willing to listen to one another you both might learn something so sometimes right. people will agree to disagree just to say, I want to keep believing the way I believe, so I don't want to talk anymore. So right. I definitely and, agree and that before people get you know get to fist the cuffs or if people you right. know just get to the point where it's just going to drag out because you're not willing to listen to each other, then maybe you should agree to disagree. But people typically use it once they've decided, I don't want to hear nothing you got to say. And so they'll throw it right. out there to be like, just shut up right now. Well, what happens is the biggest – it's the biggest pitfall of that mindset, correct? And I mean it more in a sense of if you've ever seen maybe a husband and wife that have two different political ideologies, but they still love each other. And they sit there and debate Absolutely. and play around and have polarizing views on it, Absolutely. but they can coexist harmoniously. And that's what I'm saying. It's like you can – Yeah, I, I understood you, you admitted that. I just wanted to bring yeah. that little aspect to the table because right. in my personal opinion, it's, it's rarely ever challenged when people even misuse agree to disagree, I didn't think you were meaning it that way, but I just wanted right. to highlight that and point that out, that some people actually use that to shut down conversation as well. This is something to think about because, again, what you and I both are agreeing on is the ability to have context and add nuance to conversation and seek out more information. That's what we should right. be in every conversation looking for. What information don't I have? Because new information you should be willing to consider it. But groupthink makes you, like you said, you might not even necessarily agree with it, but you align with the group because you won't have your thoughts for yourself. So we got about a minute to yeah. go, brother. So if you will, um, you know, get your information out. Again, you can kind of leave with a, a closing thought. But thank you, man. I love the music. Appreciate you for being with me this, King, this morning, King. Man. You got about a minute to yeah. get your information out, man. Brother, I appreciate you for having me. Um, I'm, I'm loving what we're doing right now. We have we'll release we're going to release a single every 30 days for the next 12 months. So we have a lot of content coming. Um, go follow my YouTube channel, Square Business Entertainment. Again, Square Business Entertainment on on Instagram, 
um, four square business, the number four square business on Twitter and uh, Facebook, and then definitely follow M Taylor Pace. This is really more about him and lifting him up and increasing his followership. So M Taylor Pace on Instagram and Twitter, Taylor Pace Music. A shout out to my man Eric Debenair McNair is another artist that that I'm close to that that, that facilitates relationship. And a shout out to Mental Dialogue for the platform, the opportunity, and just love, my brother. I wish you continued success long term. Seriously. Hey, thanks a lot, King. If you will, make sure you send me a message with all of the contacts so that I can put it on the replay. Thank you. We'll see y'all next Saturday. Mental Dialogue, all I ask is that you think. All right. Thank you, brother. Hurry into Old Navy one day only today. Get 50% off all outerwear. Plus, get cozy socks for just 2 bucks. Yep, 50% off all outerwear and $2 cozy socks. One day only today at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Ends tonight. Valid 217. Exclusions apply. Hi, Fashion Hotline. Hi, this President's Day, my family wants to exercise our right to cute new styles. I vote for Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, the new styles you want now are up to 50% off store-wide. Get new tops, new dresses, and new jeans for the whole family on sale now, including women's rock star jeans. Up to 50% off store-wide? And buy online and pick up in-store for free. Jeans start at just 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Now that's democracy in action. Rush in for up to 50% off store-wide. Hurry, ends tomorrow. Valid 211 to 218, select styles only.